Welcome to the Bad Dad Horror Podcast with your hosts, John Couture and Sierra Couture. We all have daddy issues. Ours just comes with an extra helping of blood and gore. Welcome back to the Bad Dad Horror Podcast. I'm your host and original Bad Dad, John Couture. And I'm Sierra Couture. And uh, right off the bat, we have to start out with a correction, Sierra. We record this podcast live. We don't do any editing. We want to make it as natural and feel as free and going as we can, right? We don't want to go back and do a whole bunch of polishing and post, right? Well, on our last podcast, you may have noticed that I said that there were currently six screen films and they're filming the seventh screen film, and that is inaccurate. I was wrong. I admit that I was wrong, in the wrong there. There are actually five screen films that have been released, and they are currently filming the sixth screen film. Whew, okay, got that off our chest. Fair enough. So, Sierra, this week, how are you feeling? Feeling good? Good, good, yeah. You ready to get into these films? Yeah. He has his father's eyes. What are you talking about? Guy's eyes are normal. What have you done to him, you maniac? Satan is his father, not Guy. He came up from hell and begat a son of mortal woman. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Satan is his father. And his name is Adrian. He shall overthrow the mighty and lay waste their temples. He shall redeem the despised and wreak vengeance in the name of the burned and the tortured. Hail Adrian! Hail Hail Satan! Hail Satan! you out of all the world out of all the women the whole world he chose you he arranged things because he wanted you to be the mother of his only living son his power is stronger than stronger Hail, his might shall last longer than longer Hail, satan no it can't be no oh, look at his hands and his feet oh god The first film we're going to talk about today is Rosemary's Baby. It is a 1968 film directed by Roman Polanski, and it is certainly a film that takes a turn. I, you know, it's one of those things that I've seen these films so many years ago, probably when I was your age, probably shouldn't have seen them at that age. And uh, I tend to forget a lot of the sequences and scenes specifically. Obviously, there's certain iconic scenes that stand out from these films. But it's the scenes that you forget about that are like, ooh, maybe that's not appropriate for children. But we'll get there in a minute. Um, the film is Rosemary's Baby. It's about a satanic cult who um, it basically wants to take over the baby of the neighbors in their building. Yeah. And, and use it for their rituals. Correct. And use it for their rituals. And it stars Mia Farrow and John Cassavetes. It's a it's an excellent film. Um, it Also, it was the first uh, horror film to win an Academy Award. Uh, won Best Supporting Actress um, <clears throat> by Ruth Gordon, who played Minnie, the neighbor. Uh, what did you think overall, off the top of the bat? First, I want to clarify something. Sure, clarify away. 
Um, the type of rituals they were gonna do with the child was not good rituals. No, no. Usually, when they use a baby, the blood rituals are bad for the baby. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, off the bat, quick question: Do you think I? And we'll talk about this because I think I may have crossed the line and become a bad dad this week with these two films. Do you think this film is appropriate for nope. kids of your I mean, age? well, I'm, I thought you were going to say, do you think this child is, the thing is bad for kids my gotcha. age? Gotcha. Uh, no, I think it's pretty good for kids my age. You do? Yeah, because that's... Yeah, and there, and there are probably some scenes, and, and I should also add a disclaimer to all these uh, podcasts, that your mileage may vary. I am not your parent. I am not the parent to your children. Um, what I deem appropriate for my child may not be appropriate for your child. If you have aversions to swearing or satanic rituals or nudity or you know demonic rapes then maybe rosemary's baby isn't for your child uh maybe we should have held off on that one but you know it's a, an iconic film it's it's one that you know did gangbusters at the box office it was a, a a film that just you know took took again took the world by storm it was one of those things that really opened up um the satanic aspect of horror which is a huge subgenre of horror itself um, so speaking of that, Sierra, what did you think of the satanic aspect? Since I don't think you've had much exposure to satanic and Satanism in the films that you've seen up to this point. Not in the films that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Have you seen them in other things like TV shows or YouTube videos? Mm-hmm. So you don't really have... No, I haven't seen any of the rituals. No, but you... I've heard about... You've heard about them from yes. your friends? Yes. Ah, we have jokes about them. You have jokes about the satanic rituals, really? Okay. Inside the mind of a tween, everybody. Okay, what uh, what stood out for you in the film? What, did you think it was a scary film, or did you think it was more of those psychological type of horrors? I don't know. You don't know. Um, there wasn't a lot of jump scares, was there? No. Yeah, you kept on saying you were bored at times, waiting for no, things to no, go. No, I was not. I, okay, the more I think about it, I actually like the film more. Okay, okay. So... But initially, you were a little bored. You said there wasn't enough jump scares. No, I didn't scares. say that during Rosemary's Baby. Oh, okay. That's more to the second film. We'll get there. Okay. Um, one of the things that stands out for this film, Sierra, and, and you may not know this, but this also is a good time to introduce the concept that uh, Rosemary's Baby is considered one of the most cursed films ever put on cellul- celluloid, ever put on film. Really? Why? Why? Because there's a lot of things that happened to the people that were involved in the film during the filming and after the filming that makes people can think that maybe some of the satanic rituals that they were uh, espousing in the film may have carried over into real life. One of those, and the most obvious one, is director and writer Roman Polanski, who you probably aren't familiar with Roman Polanski other than his work in Rosemary's Baby. Uh, but he is a um, director who um, ran into some um, ran into some legal troubles about 12, 15 years after he wrote and directed Rosemary's Baby. He was, um, you know, for lack of uh, sugarcoating, he was uh, convicted or he was not. He was arrested for having underage relations and forcing sexual assault on a young woman who was 13 years old. Oh wow! Oh yes, he spent a couple, several. He spent like fifty days in prison, and I believe he was released before his trial. And he fled the country, and he has never set foot in the United States since. He's still living. He lives, I believe, in France currently, and he is no longer allowed to enter the United States. If he enters the United States, he will be arrested and tried on these charges. 
and uh, which is interesting because he was just he was just uh, put uh, nominated for an Academy Award a few years back for one of his latest films, and they wouldn't allow him to attend the ceremony since it was in the United States in in Hollywood uh, because he would be under threat of arrest <clears throat> for his crimes. So that obviously was pretty bad. But even more closer to the release of the film with Roman Polanski, um, you don't really know what the Manson murders are, do you, Sierra? No, but I have heard about. Right. In 1969, there was this uh, enigmatic leader of a cult, as if it were, uh, named Charles Manson. He uh, referred to his followers as family. They I were... know that his name is Charles Manson. That's all I know, though. There you go. He was pretty crazy, and he liked to do a lot of diabolical things. Well, while Rosemary's Baby was still in theaters, and uh, Roman Plansky, the director, was dating an actress at the time, her name was Sharon Tate, and she was up for the role of Rosemary, uh, but producer Robert Evans was adamant about casting Mia Farrow in the role. He just thought Mia Farrow was a better actress, and the director you know, wanted to have his wife in the role. Eventually, Robert Evans got his way, and Mia Farrow was cast as Rosemary, and the rest, is, as they say, is history. Sharon Tate actually f- uh, was in the film as one of the background actors in the party with uh, the single friends, or the young friend party that uh, Rosemary throws in her room in her apartment and one of those background actresses was Sharon Tate. Well, she was pregnant in 1969, a year after the film was released and she had some friends over to her house and they were having a party late at night and like Ken Roosevelt's baby. But first. Yeah. She was pregnant with a baby in real life, Sharon Tate. <clears throat> and so she's having a party at her house on Cielo drive in, in Los Angeles and um, members of the cult, the fam- the Manson family cult, uh, came to the house and brutally murdered everyone who was in the house, including um, about five, I think it was four or five people, including the Vidal Sassoon heir um, and Sharon Tate, who was pregnant, and their unborn male child, who was Roman Polanski's child. Roman Polanski was not at the house that evening because he, I believe he was out of town filming, uh, out of the country, maybe even filming. Um, and so he, you know, so he was, his wife and son were slaughtered. Um, and, um, and there's a lot of interesting correlation. We'll get to it, but so, you know, so that's, you know, a lot of bad cursed things going on. Um, isn't that interesting? How do you, how do you feel about that, Sierra? I think it is very interesting because it's the exact same thing that Rosemary was doing. Um, at least in the wife and the other people, the party got murdered. Yeah. Um, Rosemary threw a party at the baby, um, mm-hmm. at late at night with, um, but the only difference is that she and the baby survived. Correct. Well, the baby. The baby did survive, yes. Um, well, very, another interesting thing about the Manson murder and the Tate-Bianca murders, um, <clears throat> is that, um, the killers wrote the words helter-skelter upon the wall in the blood of the victims. And Helter Skelter was a popular song from the Beatles, from the White Album. You know the Beatles, right? Well, interestingly enough, and this is, again, why the people consider Rosemary's Baby to be one of the cursed, most cursed films of all time, is that if you know that John Lennon was assassinated in, in the 1980s, right? Yeah. He was assassinated outside his home, which was an apartment building called the Dakota, right? Yes. Yeah, you're like, I don't know that, but I'll agree. It happened, trust me. Do you know what why that Dakota building is famous? And why would we, we would be talking about it now in this podcast? Because that's where he 
yes, that's where John Lennon lived, and yes, that's why it's famous. That's also where he died. But it was also the exterior that they used to shoot for the building that would become uh, that was featured in Rosemary's Baby. Which building? The building they lived in. Oh. You know the with all the apartments, the cursed Bram. I think Bramford Building. I think that's what they was referred to as. So the Dakota was basically a stand-in for that building when they filmed it. So, in essence, John Lennon, who was connected to the Manson family murders that killed the director of the film's wife and unborn child, was killed outside the building where they filmed Rosemary's Baby. And there's a lot of other stories we can... We can How go. is he connected to it? How is he connected to what? Uh, the Manson killings. Uh, the Manson, well, there's, there's, I mean, we could spend a whole podcast talking about the Manson family, but long story short, Charles Manson fancied himself a musician, was obsessed with the Beatles and the White Album, and, and basically said that the, the Beatles were passing him messages in their songs for him to go out and kill people and start a race war. Now, obviously the Beatles didn't do that they aren't connected but they went so far as to use you know use their victim's blood and type and, and write helter skelter on the wall which is one of the beatles songs so that's a heck of a coincidence that in so the, was so was charles manson trying to say that helter skelter told him to go kill some people basically he said the songs that were the beatles songs were giving him messages that were being delivered through the song to tell him to go kill people and start a race war yes that's what he believed that's what he believed? Yeah, that's what he believed, yes. So you can see that the Rosemary's Baby is a film that was is very it was very cursed. You know, a lot of people that were related. I mean, there's a lot of other things that went on as well, including Mia Farrell was uh, married to Frank Sinatra at the time. And he actually served her divorce papers on the set while they were filming. So there's a lot of things that happen that may, people really look back and say, wow, this film was really cursed. And it was certainly a film that was uh, stood out at the time. It's one of the uh, the a pivotal moment in 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 horror. And like I said, it was a film that you know really brought up the satanic side of horror and that aspect. So, any last thoughts do you had, Sierra, on Rosemary's Baby? Nope. Excellent. Now, and what do you think in terms of? Do you think this film is appropriate for people of your age, or do you think? Yes. It, yes. Okay. I think it is appropriate for ages. Eight and up, as long as they know what satanic rituals are. And what would you rate the film on a scale of one to ten? Eight. Eight. A little boring, but you still give it an eight. Excellent. I don't think it's that boring. I mean, it's kind of in the very beginning. It started mm-hmm. out kind of slow, but then got sure. it got. Yeah. What was your favorite scene, or what was your favorite part of the film? Um, when she looked in the um in the like carriage and mm-hmm. then all the people just randomly started screaming and they were like hail satan hail satan hail satan yeah it's a very memorable scene for sure hello reagan i'm a friend of your mother's i'd like to help you you want to loosen the straps huh? i'm afraid you might hurt yourself reagan i'm not reagan I see. Well, then, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Damien Karras. And I'm the devil. Now, kindly undo these straps. 
If you're the devil, why not make the stripes disappear? That's much too vulgar a display of power, Karras. Where's Reagan? In here, with us. Show me Reagan and I'll loosen one of the straps. And you're helping old Alter Boy, Father. Your mother's in here with us, Karras. Would you like to leave a message? I see that she gets it. If that's true, then you must know my mother's maiden name. What is it? What is it? Okay, moving right along, the second film we watched this week is The Exorcist, a 1973 film directed by William Friedkin. And in keeping with our theme, if you will, this week, we went from went to hell with the Satanists, and now we're going to heaven, so to speak, with The Exorcist. And it's depiction of Catholicism and the little dirty secret that Catholicism has had in their closet for many years, and that is the the ritual of exorcism, or the dispelling of demons from a human host. So we're at the bats here. Let me get your thoughts. What did you think of the film The Exorcist? Yeah, I know you were hoping for a more straight-ahead horror film. Did this one fit the bill? Pretty well. There are a lot of talk scenes, but... Yeah, it is pretty nice. I like action scenes that are pretty, really, really good. Yeah, we, we noticed what you were watching. You, you didn't seem to care for the exposition scenes, the scenes that got a lot of talk. And that and that is a, that's a fair criticism of films that were released in this time period before 1980 for sure, is that directors were used to having films where they couldn't film a lot of things that they wanted to film. So they in order to convey a lot of exposition or coverage or what you know what's going on in the scene they had to do a lot of talking between the characters and and granted it's you know for for sure it's it's a it's uh it's a little distracting a little taken away but i think i think exorcism exorcist excuse me is a film that does a good balance between the horror scenes and the uh i really liked it now i saw something okay i don't know if it's true or not Sure. But I read, I know it's not the exact same thing, but I read that the exorcist is kind of based off of some other guy's exorcism, but I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's based on a book um, uh, by, I believe, William Blatty, or maybe Peter Blatty. Peter, I mean, is William Blatty. Um, it, it was a fiction book, but there is, uh, um, there has been exorcisms that have been carried out by the Roman Catholic Church. Um, they don't talk about it. It's not really publicized quite a bit. Um, as somebody my, like my, myself, as somebody who was born and raised Catholic, um, you know, this certainly was not something they taught in school. It's not like the, the nuns would say, hey, let's go talk about exorcism right now. Uh, but it was certainly part of the zeitgeist, part of the public culture when I grew up, uh, this movie. And it certainly was a divisive movie because there was a lot of Catholicism and Catholic uh, imagery that was utilized in the film um, that, you know, had a... Um, pretty big substantial impact upon the culture as as a whole so what uh what are some scenes that stood out for you sierra you we there are iconic scenes galore in the exorcist but for you if someone coming in fresh who probably hasn't seen all these scenes what were some of the scenes that stood out for you 
Um, when the guy was talking to the girl, I mean, not it wasn't really a girl anymore. But it was while she had the um while Reagan was possessed. Yeah, yeah while Reagan was mm-hmm. possessed. Um, and she was just randomly talking to him, and then she and they just threw up on his face. Oh yes, the green slime throw up on the face, the pea green soup that gets thrown up. Yeah, it's a classic scene for sure. Um, another one is uh, is naturally when Reagan's head turns around completely. Uh, that was pretty scary. Um, and there are some sequences that, again, I forgot, didn't think about, and again, may not be exactly appropriate for kids of your age, um, including one specific scene of uh, Reagan doing some pretty violent things with, an, with, a, with a, a crucifix. Yeah, that scene is probably not appropriate for kids. Um, and then she does some other things. Um, and there's a lot of uh, questionable vulgarity in the film, both with language, um, a lot of bad words, as well as some sequences. But again, you know, the young girl was possessed, you know, supposedly uh, possessed in, by the devil himself. So um, obviously. Um, now, I think mm-hmm. if you if I if I had to say what how much how like what age group would be interested in it. Mm hmm. I rate this one a little higher than the uh, Rosemary's Baby. For sure. Nine to ten. Nine to ten. To or older. Nine to ten or older. What, conveniently, you put yourself in that age range. I, I like how you did no. that. Per, honestly, if I look back at it, if I had seen the film a little closer, I probably would have waited to show you it. But again, it's uh, I'm well, a different person. I keep person. putting I myself am... in the in the in the ranges because I didn't. You didn't think it was too bad for you. Yeah. So okay. That's why I, I understand. Keep... Although I think looking back, I think it's more appropriate probably for 12, 13 above. But I'm glad you watched it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you didn't have any nightmares. Did you get any nightmares? Nope. Excellent. Okay, so there's an interesting... The Exorcism was Exorcist is an interesting film because it's... Um, we talked about uh, last week about how um, the, the Motion Picture Association didn't have an R rating. And some of the films, the films we talked about last week were rated PG and kids are going to watch the films, you know, like Night of the Living Dead. And, um, and so they were, you know, in the much the same way with this film, Warner Brothers really petitioned the Motion Picture Arts Association of America, MPAA, to get the film rated R. Initially, the MPAA was going to rate the film X, which at the time, a rated X film was, was basically like a death knell for a film. You couldn't release it because you couldn't take anyone under the age of 18 to see the film. And it has the stigma that rated X films are not appropriate for general audiences. Now, on R, I think if you go to see an R movie in theaters, I think as long as you go with someone who is over 18. If you, you go with a parent or guardian, yes, you can go see an R rated film if you have a parent or guardian with you. Correct. Mm-hmm. X rated X films you could not no ch- no pe- no people under the age of eighteen are allowed to be admitted regardless if they're with their parents or not. So the controversy was surrounded because Warner Brothers petitioned the Motion Picture Association of America to get the film rated R, and they basically said, "Okay, we'll give it to you the rated R," and it caused a lot of uproar because apparently, again. I'm not the only bad dad out there. There are parents that were taking their children to see this film in theaters back in 1973. Can you believe that, Sierra? Well, how old were their children? Like, were they taking their three-year-old babies in? Or? I don't know. Well, three-year-old babies probably don't have the attention span to be concerned about it, but probably about pe- eight people that are at your age, 10, 11, 12, and they were I don't forever. Think they would have been that well, maybe they wouldn't have been that much traumatized because you have had a lot more exposure to things now. But back in those days, they didn't have cable TV. They didn't have 
on-demand movies. They didn't have DVDs, Blu-rays. They didn't have any of that stuff. So, but only... what if it was like a normal thing on the basis that people were like doing that, were were like getting possessed in their home on a normal day-to-day basis? Well, I don't know. Do you think people were getting possessed in their homes on a day-to-day? Maybe, maybe, possibly. So maybe they went and saw The Exorcist as kind of a how-to guide to figure out how to get rid of those uh, demons that are possessing them. Yeah. Definitely. Well, let me tell you something that you can tell by looking at the movie. You certainly want to leave the exorcisms to the professional, don't you? Excellent. Uh, what are some uh, What are some thoughts do you have based on um, the use of religion in the film? Because that's one thing we talk about. And, and with the Rosemary's Baby, um, there's a lot of Satanism. Uh, this film, there's a lot of Catholicism, a lot of belief in God to expel the evil with, that resides within people. What do you think of the use of religion, and do you think it's a fair use in terms of horror in that ethos? I think it was really good. I think it was really good because it just it adds something to the sure. film. Yeah. It's really, yeah. Do you want to go out and become a Catholic? Do you want to go no. out and nope? Okay, fair enough. All right, yeah. And uh, much like the uh, ro- the film that we watched, Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist also had its own set of being cursed. Uh, although more like more of the film is cursed uh, on set than it was offset. There were um, numerous uh, production issues during the production of the film. They had to shut down numerous times. There was injuries that happened on the film. In fact, there was a couple sequences. I don't know if you remember, but there were a couple sequences within the film, The Exorcist, where they joke because obviously chris mcneil who's the lead actress played by ellen burston she uh, was an actress in the film as well she's playing an actress and there was a sequence where she gets injured a bit and so they made they were making some quips about a production being delayed because of being injured uh, and that was kind of an inside joke because they, were, they had to de- delay so much with the exorcist that the budget actually doubled than what they initially thought and it took twice as long for them to film the movie and they're just weird snafus that people are like, well, that's kind of odd that things would be breaking and people would be getting injured. And some people thought that maybe the film was cursed because they were poking, not necessarily fun at Catholicism, but they're getting into situations and things they probably shouldn't have. So what do you think about that? That was, that's a good, that's a good, is it like a theory? Well, I mean, it's a theory as to what caused it, but it's not a theory that these production problems did persist in the right. film and again every film is you know has their own share of problems and issues that rise during production and filming uh but they said because they were filming and talking about these themes that they're that basically the presence from the other side rosemary's was... baby seemed to have a lot more it did rosemary's baby is, is considered one of the most cursed films ever released because of all the things that happened during filming as well as after filming and we didn't really get into full in on detail but you know, the the fact that Sharon Tate wanted to be Rosemary and then she was pregnant the next year and then she was slaughtered is in a ritual which was somewhat based upon dubious efforts, as it were, um, does make it interesting. Okay, Sarah, well, we don't usually break sequel news here on uh, the Bad Dad Horror Podcast because most of the films we watch are so old that their sequels have come and gone. The Exorcist is a film that has had many sequels, remakes, reboots, whatever yeah. you want to call them. Um, including there was the the Exorcist two, which actually did star um, uh, Reagan did return, Linda Blair did return to the role of Reagan, um, but one uh, actress who has never reprised the role uh, from the Exorcist was Ellen Burstyn. She never came back to do an Exorcist film. However, 
we just read this week, so it's very topical for this podcast, that Ellen Burson has agreed to, to star in a Exorcist remake. I'm sorry, it's actually a direct sequel to the original Exorcist. And it's going to be produced by Blumhouse Films, which, again, is, you may not know, it's one of the best and brightest um, horror houses that are creating horror films today. So I'm really excited about this. Uh, so what do you think about the Exorcist, the second Exorcist film with, with uh, Alan Burson reprising the role of Chris McNeil? Are you excited about that? Is that something you want to see? Yes, but I have a question. Sure, shoot. Is, um, I don't remember her the name, but there's a person that has played Reagan. Is Linda she going to come back too? That's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, Linda Blair is still alive, so it is very possible for her to return in the role. However, I'm not, uh, I can't see it. It's been so long since I've seen The Exorcist 2. I don't know. Reagan uh, was in, Linda Blair reprised Reagan for Exorcist 2, and I I want to say that she died in The Exorcist 2. This will be another part where we'll have to uh, have a uh, uh, have a correction at the, uh, the next podcast. Uh, so, uh, but again, considering that they're doing it as a direct sequel to the original Exorcist, all bets are off, basically meaning that the sequel that, has already been out doesn't really exist in the world upon which they're building so it is possible that she could return there hasn't been any uh news concerning her involvement in this new exorcist film but i think it would be great to have ellen burston reunite with reagan on screen yeah Blair. excellent do you have any parting thoughts about the exorcist no not really but if it's a direct sequel doesn't it mean that she couldn't have died because it's direct coming on from that yeah i mean it it, it means that she could still be in it it you know if i say again and, and i have to double check my memory but if the character reagan died in the exorcist 2 which i believe she did again she, i may be completely wrong about that then if you make another film then why you know people be like why are you bringing back reagan she died in the second film but this film that they're making now is the true sequel to the exorcist so that's gonna so it, no matter what happened in the other films doesn't matter it's uh very convenient and this is a interesting topic to talk about and we'll get into it before but it's all talking you know talk about what is canon what is part of a uh, horror series and when you go and reboot a series or go back and do a direct sequel does that negate what's come before it? Do you pay homage to the films that come out? Because horror films are dime a dozen. Their sequels come out. You got the threequels. You got all these films that come out. And then, like, the original filmmakers get involved, like in the case here with The Exorcist. And then you have a new sequel, but it's yeah. set so many years later. But, again, I'd be interested to see where they go with it. Ellen Burstyn, obviously, is is much older. Um, you know, Linda Blair is older. So maybe it'd be interesting to see if they have a uh, maybe the grandson or great grandsons of these characters will be involved some way with the demon possession, or maybe the demon will come back and possess them again in some form. I guess we'll have to wait and see, won't we, Sierra? Yeah, I, I guess so. Absolutely. All right, Sierra, what would you rate The Exorcist? Nine out of ten. Nine I really out of liked, ten. Excellent. I really liked it. You really liked it. Awesome. And do you think I'm a bad dad for, for nope. letting you watch this movie? You don't think, well, you're biased. Of course you don't think I'm a bad dad. So you think children your age would be able to wa- be okay watching this film? If their parents aren't okay with people shoving crucifixes <laughs> into parts. Into certain parts, indeed, yes. And I don't know if I'm okay with uh, that scene. But again, it's, uh, it's a live and learn situation. And... Uh, you know, maybe it may not be appropriate for all audiences. So, it, you know, again, 
as a parent, if you're listening, be forewarned that there are sequences you may not feel that are appropriate for your child. But again, I can't make that decision for you. I'm not the parent of your child. So that again, your mileage will vary on that. And looking forward to next week, I know Sierra's excited because we're going to get into some films that are a little more in the traditional horror sense with a little more blood, guts, and gore. Are you excited about that, Sierra? Yes. We'll leave it there, but I know that if you're if you're following along, it should be pretty easy to figure out where we might be going next. But we were not there yet, so until next time, we'll, we'll be, be back. back. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. I'm getting another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Oh!